Welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. This is Dave Stovall, your host, and today's episode is going to be amazing. This was the first track session from the forum of last year, given by Myron Pierce of Exponential. This might be one of the most important podcast episodes you listen to, and I'm not just saying that to get a bunch of plays on this episode. Please, please listen to this whole thing all the way to the end. This is about multiplying disciples before focusing on growing your church. And what he means by that is making one disciple at a time is the way to grow our churches. It is the way for the future of the church in North America. If we want to see that true revival breaking out in our country that we've all been talking about and praying about, this is it. Discipleship is not flashy and glamorous, but it's what Jesus did and what he commands us to do. This is Myron Pierce from Exponential. Here we go. So, so here's how we're going to get this started. I'm going to have um, my friends Rob and Brian share a little bit about who they are and what they're doing, specifically when it comes to multiplication. I think it's going to be helpful um, to help frame what we're going to talk about. And then as we frame what we're going to talk about. The goal would then be for us to have some conversation and question. I always have one rule when I take leaders with me or when I got people who come with me, wherever I go, I always say, hey, man, when you're in a room with leaders, always have one question ready to ready to ready to roll. And so that'll be my my ask today that we'd have at least one question that will curate conversation. So, um, Rob, why don't you come on up? Brian, why don't you come on up? Share a little bit about um, what, what you're doing yeah, sure. as it pertains to multiplication, Brian, and then we'll, we'll kind of move on. I'm Rob Weger from Kansas City. It's really an honor to be with this tribe. What a great start in that last session. I love that we're starting with the spirit of repentance and humility. That's beautiful to Jesus. I'm a part of something called the Kansas City Underground. Uh, we organized like a mission agency in Kansas City. So we look at Kansas City like a mission agency might look at Papua New Guinea and go, how many different tribes are here? How are they culturally distinct? Every tribe needs a missionary. And for us, a missionary is just an ordinary person. It's the birthright of every child of God to be a missionary disciple maker. Can I get an amen? Amen. And when you say go make disciples, that means every disciple needs to be a disciple who can make disciples. So multiplication is baked in from the very beginning in the Great Commission. So we equip ordinary people to learn how to plant themselves, like Jesus did, among an unreached pocket of people, to live uh, incarnational rhythms, to gain relational credibility and depth, and to be an insider, and then go from small talk to meaningful talk to spiritual conversations, and then to plant the gospel. And we plant the gospel through uh, what you might call gospel fluency, but also something called Discovery Bible Study, which is a, a way of engaging the Bible that has a multiplicative disciple-making DNA in it. And what happens is people begin to discover directly who Jesus is through the Word of God. They begin to identify steps of obedience. They immediately are also owning, multiplying what they're learning with other people. And what's happened is we've seen ordinary people making disciples multi multi-generationally in the harvest. Like just ordinary folks doing amazing work. Uh, a couple of real quick stories, like a guy named Corey who's a missionary in the underground. He's actually a hub leader now. Um, he was called to the jail system and started there as a volunteer, made friends with a guy named Vincent. 
meaningful conversation became spiritual conversation. They started a discovery group. Vincent met Jesus. He started a discovery group in his pod. It spread to every pod in that jail system. And something that looked like Acts chapter 2 started to happen inside the jail system. Uh, what came out of that was this whole new wave of freshly redeemed men. They formed what we call a microchurch. Uh, so it's an extended spiritual family that organizes around the person of Jesus. It's led by ordinary people. They focus on rhythms of worship, community, and mission. That one microchurch has now multiplied to eight microchurches. They now have discovery Bible studies in three different jail systems, started with one missionary having a conversation with one guy named Vincent. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah. And so ordinary person mm. who loves Jesus. And all of our microchurches are led by ordinary folks. They work as butchers and bakers and candlestick makers. <laughs> so we build in multiplication into every single aspect of our training. Um, multiplication has to be, you ever seen the movie Inception? Are you like, the, you know, secretly placing this idea into people's brains? Like, we're placing multiplication and in, in inception to everything we do. Everything we do is very simple because it has to be simple to multiply and to scale. Uh, we invest in a few to reach many. Um, and we can, and I know we'll dig into all of this, but um, multiplication is just a part of the creation narrative. Everything God made mm. in creation multiplies. And it's also part of the new creation narrative. Like wow. everything Jesus makes multiplies. Like all of his metaphors are seeds. Is that addition or multiplication, right? Yeast, is that addition wow. or multiplication, right? Like all of his metaphors are about multiplication. So that's that's the norm and that's what we're up to. So it's Come on, to be man. with y'all today. It's good. Excellent. My name is Brian Phipps and uh, I was a pastor in small churches for 15 years before I was invited to come be the small groups guy in a church of about 5,000 back in 2009. So after I threw up, because that scared me to death, I sat at my desk, I had to run to the bathroom and throw up because I was so intimidated um, by the post. Uh, you were working in the jail. I had it harder. I was working with a bunch of small group leaders. So uh, it, was, it was fantastic. The, the part about that that was challenging, though, is they had gone through so many different strategies with small group leadership that the 125 group leaders that we had, the only thing that they had in common was their lack of trust for the small group leadership on staff at the church. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, you know, I thought, well, I've, I've been around long enough to know that trying to hold a four-hour training to get everybody going in the same direction was uh, not going to work. And so I thought the only way I can really get into trying to uh, get a, a positive multiplication DNA and a, and a positive, like what's real transformation look like DNA into people uh, on a scale was to disciple them, you know. So I just pulled 12 out at a time thinking that I could get more and better small group leaders and I messed up and I made disciples, um, which was a real problem because mm. some of those people wanted to go outside of the small group system. I'm like, no, 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 that's not how we do things in America. If I invest in you, you invest in me. This isn't about Jesus and his kingdom. This is about me and my that's department, fun. and I have given a year of my life to you, and you owe the rest of your life before uh, to me. So I'm saying a lot of silly stuff to just basically say, yeah. um, at the end of that, it was, what is most important? Yeah. Is it building my department, which is not multiplication thinking? Right. Or is it investing in individuals and allowing those people through the leadership of the Spirit in their lives to discern their calling, and will I release them into that? And so what started out as an attempt to get more and better small group leaders has resulted in well over about eight to 10,000 people who have grown in character and calling. 
I lead a small enough profit called Disciples Made. Uh, it, I was a pastor of a church. I'm going to stay a pastor of a church. But this, the uh, the harvest is great. Like I know that we were talking about the cost of discipleship. I think the opportunity of disciple making is greater than the cost because people are hungering for real, fervent, fully alive life in Christ. And I believe that the untapped potential mm. of multiplication in our country has yet to be seen because we haven't tapped the right source. So mm. I can't believe, I mean, I can't believe more in a conversation than good. this one. And I can't believe more in a man who's doing it than this. So I'm excited to be here. Come on, man. Can we give it up for my friends? So. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of be calling on them. We're, we're going to be kind of having conversations. The reason why I wanted them to, to help with this conversation is, you know how you could be in a conference and I've, I've done it for, for years where I go and I see somebody standing on a stage and maybe I read their book, you know, just like Rob, that wrote a book, Starfish and the Spirit. Um, so I'm a fanboy. And, and then you're just in the seat, right? And you're like, oh my gosh. You know, and, and you're like, man, I could never be like that. Or I could never, you know, and it, it's like we in America, we do that. And um, but for us, the reason why I'm having them kind of share that is because I think, man, most multiplication at its in its simplest form happens faster with practitioners. Where there's no. Like there's no um, in the kingdom, there are no MDivs. <laughs> For, for multiplication. You feel where I'm coming from? Um, for the sake of conversation, I'm Myron. I, I live in Omaha, Nebraska. You'll hear more about uh, who I am tomorrow. Me and my friend Grant, who was in here, we're going to finish uh, the main session. It's going to be amazing. All y'all bring, bring your Kleenexes. You're going to be snotting all over the place. Your, ma your mascara is going to be falling off. Don't even put on mascara tomorrow. You know, just leave it at, leave it at your hotel. Um, and so I'm a, I'm a church planter, uh, you know, I'm a missionary and um, married 12 years, have four kids all under the age of 10. I also lead an organization called Every Inner City. The hope there is that um, every inner city would experience hope. Um, we'd say that we want to see diverse, hope-filled churches launched in every single inner city from every fabric of society of ordinary people. And uh, yeah, man, so I've, I've been doing that. And then also I'm part of Exponential. Anybody ever been to Exponential? Get your 50% off right now. Should be in your email, right? Be there in March, whenever, wherever, wherever that's going to be. Anyway, so I'm an Exponential associate, and I get the honor of, of hanging out with Exponential. And I've been blessed by not only Exponential, but discipleship.org. That's where I met Bobby. Um, and so I want to ask you this question, and I want you to take... One to two minutes, I want you to turn to your neighbor. And I, want you to, I want you to answer this. If we all got on an airplane or a helicopter, tons of helicopters came on this big campus where I thought about joyriding with my friend Rob. With, there's a, a thing on the stage. There's a little roller on the stage up, on the stage up front. I thought about a cart. I thought about actually joyriding on that cart. Never mind. He's going to push me on the stage tomorrow in the cart. Anyway, but if a helicopter comes and picks us all up and drops us off in a remote area in a city, the question is, um, how, what would you do to see a multiplication movement of people coming to faith in Christ? How, like, and you only have 30 days. You don't have 
a year, three years. God says, hey, I want, you, I, want, I want you to multiply. I want to see the image of God come to life in this area, and I am sending you as a missionary. You have one minute apiece to share how do you think multiplication could happen, right? So turn to your neighbor, somebody you don't know, right? Somebody you don't know. In fact, you two are missionaries. They're dropping you in. What do you do? What do you do? All right. We have 30 days to see a multiplication plan. Dropped off somewhere. You don't know anybody. Both of you are going together. What do you do? Start with one. Say it again. I said start with one. Unpack that for me. Well, you gotta gotta reach one where you can multiply. Okay. But you know, you're there. Third okay. Day, start building relationships. Try to reach one. Okay. Four. Maybe he'll know us. Know some other people. When you say build relationship, what do you mean? You only have thirty days. Uh, first, you gotta identify them. Then you gotta reach out to them and just kind of hang out with them and share the gospel with them. And you know, eventually, you hope they have some friends. You can and you start multiplying. Start with one. Good. Start with maybe five, yeah, five, five, ten people, and then each one of those people go out, whether it be by twos or ones, and share with that many more people. That's going to multiply really quick. So, how do you get those five to ten people if you're, you're, if you're new? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you have them over for dinner. That's right. That's you go to where they are. You have them over for dinner and you don't have a house. Feed them, they will come. Uh, <laughs> well, you're sure, feed them. Feed them. Huh? So, so you say food. You, food as the great equalizer. Is that what I'm hearing? Okay. He said invite yourself over for dinner. <laughs> huh? What'd you say? How much money do we have? Well, this is America. And we're not going to even be dropped in America. In fact, I'm, let me give you some context of where, where, where we're going to drop you. Y'all ready for this? We're going to drop you in the number one deadliest place to live for an African-American. That's where we're going. We're going to drop you right in the hood. Well, they're not going to like me to start with, so I really got to come up with some magic, right? Okay. They're not going to like me. Okay. Why you say that? Well, if it's the number one deadliest place for an African American to live, for an African American to live, and I'm a white person, uh huh, not gonna like me to start with. They're gonna, I'm gonna be out of place. So, what do you do if you start somewhere where someone doesn't like you? Right. What do you do? Conversation. Pray. Okay. You know what? You know what? Um, what's his name? Addison, Ralph Moore, Rob Wagner, um, Yin Kai, uh, all these leaders who um, we're seeing movements around the world. Um, this right here. This, this right here, y'all. You feel me? Okay. So we're in the hood. You've been parachuted in. What else do we do? Well, you drew a little attention when you parachuted in. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So how would you enter? Parachute in. <laughs> yeah. 
Like Jonah. I'm, yeah. Jonah sent to Nineveh. Jonah sent to Nineveh. God sent yeah. me there. You want to I got to trust that he's going to make me stand out. Okay. And I'm going to connect with them and tell them about God. Okay. How are you going to do that? Talk. Right. So you put you pull up and it's a dude with a hustle pray eat um, sweater on and some Jordans with some with some dreads and piercings in his face and tattoos all over his body. OK. OK. So I'm. I'm yeah. Yeah. Relationship. OK. What else? We got 30 days. Because it's 30 days, I think you, I mean, it, the challenge here, right? We're talking about this maturation versus multiplication. Yes. You really want them to multiply. I mean, traditionally, in ministry, you'd be like, well, yeah, you go meet their needs, you build a relationship. Yeah. You know, if I got 30 days, I may just come and preach. I mean, you just you start asking really good, hard-pointed questions. You can go door to door if you want. You can meet them in the public square. So if you're the homeless guy who just showed up, like Jesus, yeah, then you gotta you got to get to it. Okay, there's a sense, an ur- a sense of urgency. Is, uh, I think when you said marketplace, it's very important. Like, where are the convergent spaces where people hang out? And so you start with extraordinary prayer and your fasting, and then you go to those spaces where people are going to be. And then Luke 10, Lord, show me the people of peace, which is like uh, someone who's open to you and open to Jesus in you, spiritually curious. Who also leads a, re- a network of relationships? So let me let me ask us this question based on what Rob said. Anybody feel free to answer. What would the significance? Because I I I so if I'm dropped into a place where I'm not indigenous to, right, and there are already barriers to entry, as my friend Brian talks about barriers to entry when you meet somebody. Maybe it's race, right? Maybe it's socially econ- socioeconomic, right? So the further away I am from, um, because of our diversity, the harder the hurdle it, there could be for me to even connect, right? You fill in the blanks, politics, race, geography, beliefs, all those different things. So what is the significance of, yes, beginning with extraordinary prayer and identifying those convergent spaces where people of peace are, like, what is the significant, what's the why behind that? The pe- finding a person of peace. Influence. Influence. They're all, already kind of going the right, same direction. Like, Paul would go to a city where it was similar, they believe in God. Right? Yeah, yeah. A similar direction. Right? Yeah, they, they have affinities, right. right? They have affinities. And because they have affinity, there's community. And because there's community, right, there's influence that that person of peace. If, if, we're, if you're going to go work the harvest, like in this situation, I'm still thinking, you only need two people. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to start a multi- multiplication movement, you only need to do one, just do two. Like you need just uh, several. And then, yeah, it's just a small group. Because if your job's done in 30 days, it's about their ongoing movement. It's about their ongoing movement. Yes, it's a good point. I love what he said. He said, if, we're, if we only have 30 days, it's the, the mindset is it's not me doing the work of ministry. It's actually me beginning a movement so that those who are there can actually take it on. Yes. You're, you're a catalyst for an insider. You're a catalyst. 
Yeah, when it comes down to influencing other people, it's not about yourself, really. It's about replicating that into other people. Right. Um, it's like what you said as well. It doesn't matter what you have in common with somebody or what you don't have in common with someone. You have to be willing to insert yourself into a relationship with that person, build a certain value with them that mm -hmm. they care about. Whether or not if you're like them or dislike them, in any way, shape, or form, that's irrelevant. Because you can build relationships with anybody. You did it with me. You're standing over here, you come up to me, hey, what's your name? People will talk once you start talking to them, and then you just let them talk. You build mm -hmm. that relationship, and then you they will give you why questions. And mm. you can, basically, well, not why questions, but you can ask them why behind what they think. Mm -hmm. Where are you from? What do you do? Blah, 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 blah. Well, okay, what do you do? Well, I'm, I'm here for 30 days, and I'm here, to, I'm here to bring the gospel. I don't really believe that. Why? Mm. You have a new, you just built a relationship, and now you can figure out what their pain points are, and you can figure out what their the pain story is. You can figure out yes. out simply by letting other people talk. So what are we missing that's not on the board that's necessary to see multiplication happen if you only have 30 days? Excuse my chicken scratch if you can't read it. It's in tongues. <laughs> Say it again. An exit strategy. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I mean, I don't know what you're going to say about that, but I was looking, thinking about this, the woman at the well. Okay. Jesus offered to help her. Okay. So if one of your convergent spaces was a place where you could help, then you offer yourself to somebody else mm -hmm. for something that they need. You look around for a place where you can contribute. Hmm. So that's what Jesus does. He goes to this place of convergence. He identifies a person of peace. Right. Brian, what would you add if we had 30 days, if we're following that model of how Jesus sees revival happen in Samaria, even though he's not Samaria? You're looking for people that are networked in other areas. How do they pass that on? Like how, do you, how do you leverage the person of peace's influence to take it to another nearby network that might be attached to that one somehow relationally just didn't get that seed of this goes beyond this group has anyone ever asked you this question show of hands if this question has ever been asked to you say it again the no no the question I the original question I asked and you have 30 days has anyone ever asked you that that, that question no two two out of how many people in here? 33. Two out of 33, less than 10, <laughs> less than 10%. Well, I'm, a, I'm just going to say this. I mean, we've all had that question posed to us because it, that's the Great Commission. It's already been posed to us. I think that it's just how we have either accepted it or perceived it, mm. whether it was personal for us, or whether it was left up to the preacher in the church. Yes, ma'am, unless we took responsibility for it. And did we own it? Yes. So I think we've all been given the question, did we just accept it as ours? Mm-hmm. So I've been given the question, but not what the 30-day... Yeah, you have 30 days to see a multiplication movement in the... Right, without the 30 days. Right. So this is the first time I've ever been asked that question. 30 days. 
sense of urgency. Yes, yeah. that, that level of urgency. Well, and I'm, I'm going to go back again and say, because I think there, there's always been a sense of urgency because, you know, Jesus tells us to be ready at all times. And I, I mean, to me, I've read nothing but urgency. Mm -hmm. When I read that, there is nothing but urgency about yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know, we lackadaisically go through our lives thinking that, you know, we've got tomorrow, 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 when, you know, there's no promise. So the urgency is in, the, is, is in our king, but not in his kingdom. Yeah. And, and. So one thing that's missing there. Yeah. As you're. Discipling these people. Okay. And you know you're going to be leaving. Yes. You're going to effectively get your disciples committed to they will go on and keep the disciples and disciples. That's what drives the multiplication. Yes. In the last 10 years that I've been personally focused on stuff, it's often missing. People know how to, quote, act like a Christian. Yes. Very, very rarely will they be serious about sharing the gospel and getting the person they're sharing with to go and do it themselves. Yes. Yes. Quick story. Please. Lady from our church in the Atlanta area years ago went to India on her own. Lived in some of the worst places you could live, got bed bugs, the whole works. She talked to a young man waiting tables. Mm -hmm. I ended up being in Bible college by him in Georgia. We became close friends. He went back to India. He converted his family first. Mm -hmm. Now there are 70 churches mm -hmm. in southern and now in northern India because of that one convert. Mm -hmm. But he was a man of peace. Yes. And yes. That man of peace has built almost 70 churches in some really hard so that gives me chills, and here's why. You can do it in 30 days. Right, right. And that's, that's purely, this is purely, I'm trying to put some urgency in pressing our, our psyche on how. The lady was urgent. But she was urgent. She was urgent. And, 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 and so the reason why I'm glad you, you told that story is, is, is the very reason why Exponential got with Lifeway Research at uh, Edson Stetzer, uh, the whole gang there did a study, 350,000 churches across America, right? 80% of what we would call level one churches, churches that are subtracting or declining in America, 80% of that 350,000. Maybe we're missing urgency, right? And then the level, the level two are those who are like, they're just plateauing. These churches are plateauing. And, and that number there is about 16%, right? Plateauing, they're, you know, they're just kind of riding a wave, right? They're not, they're not declining. It's, it's, it's almost like there's no vision or urgency because maybe we're good or possibly, hey, everyone's already at home. Uh, let's just focus online and I'll pre-record a sermon and then maybe we'll get. 16% of churches in America 
are just like this. And they feel they're better than the other 80%. Right. Seriously. And, and so the reason why this is, is interesting because right here in the middle is where I think American churches, where we were the gold standard, I call it the gold standard, level three churches. And the gold standard of level three churches are how many people are coming? And we see it in the, if you're on Facebook and you're scrolling and you're a church leader, you, you more than likely have clicked on um, ads from your favorite church magazine, church conference. And, be, and by virtue of you doing that, you have been targeted by leaders who want to sell you a package, how to grow your church or how to bust the 200 barrier, how to break through the 200 barrier. How to ask me how I know I bought it. <laughs> we all have. We all have. How to, how to, how to break through the 500. How to like how to how to break to, through a thousand. And guess what? When our when our church in the hood, I'm, I'm from a pastor in the hood. I'm an urban pastor. Right. Guess what? We broke we broke a thousand in the in North in North Omaha, yes. multiple campuses. But then all of a sudden, after I keep coming from these conferences, I'm like, but but God, before before all this and I'll go over this tomorrow a little bit. I don't want to get into it now. There was still like this like level of. OK, now what? Yeah, all these cats, black people, white people, brown people, we all showing up, diverse church, multi-ethnic, we doing all this. Okay, but like, all right, now what? That, I think that level, that gold standard, like is insufficient and doesn't satisfy us nor the heart of God. And yet this is where we live. Hey, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the Discipleship.org Collective. It's an online community designed for disciples and disciple makers. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fit in one or both of those categories. And we made this website with your needs in mind. The website itself is super cool because it's like stepping into a virtual church building. There's a welcome center, an auditorium for main events, and even some classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective where we provide weekly webinars, we've got ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you and also your whole church. And don't mistake this for just a website, it's actually a community for disciple makers. Basic membership is free, but there's also a premium access option that includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So go to discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for your free membership today. Good question. You got your church membership growing. You're making disciples in your church. How many people in your church, if you're going to disciple, want to make other disciples? So Bobby Harrington would say in the study that only 6% of churches in America are even making disciples. That was a study done by discipleship.org, right? And so when we talk about um, the metric being adding people, we're looking at our budgets, right? And so at level three, we can get comfortable. 
Number three, we can get comfortable. We can say, you know what? Like, we can add more staff. Like, like add, let's add more staff. Let's have a discipleship pastor. Or let's have an outreach pastor. And we get so pastor heavy. My friend um, Rob here has a, has a diagram that I want him to draw um, that shows um, the triangle. You know the triangle? Can you show? I want you can you draw that real quick? Because I think that's a, a good illustration of like what level three looks like. So typically, and I've led inside of the organized church for 30 years, mostly at large churches actually. Um, so I don't, I'm not throwing shade on this, I'm just right. trying to describe what is, right? So typically, what happens is there's, uh, you know, a pastor or a few pastors, and the goal is to define the vision. And then once we have a vision, we build programs. And then we want to find volunteers who become the quote unquote leaders in our programs. And then the hope is that we'll connect with like other members or the larger community. And typically, percentage-wise, um, most of us have experienced like, okay, this is only like a very small percentage of the entire church congregation, right? Like, what is this, 1% of a church of 100? Or maybe 2%, 3%? If, if things are going really well, it's typically the 80-20 rule, right? 20% of the people, right? right 80% of the work. Right. And then you've got 80 percent down here. So, you know, the average church is probably experiencing like one up here and somewhere between what, 100 or so down here. And there's no multiplication ever built into this anywhere. But this is the predominant model. So what we're trying to do, for example, in the Kansas City Underground is basically because these these pastors, their role primarily is to teach. Right? right? Inspire. Um, so what we're trying to do is basically flip the whole thing where down here, um, there's still what you could perceive as staff, but the primary role is that of equipping. And right. if we get time later, we can talk about the difference between teaching and equipping. A lot of right. pastors, I, I've had pastors say to me, like, I'm discipling my entire congregation. It's them, impossible. Tell me how you're doing that. And what do they say? I'm teaching on Sunday, right. I'm teaching on Sunday night. Teaching and equipping is a different set of skills. And this is where you're really getting into disciple making. And of course, we know Ephesians 4, that's actually what we're, that's our job, right? We're right. to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, instead of me saying, here's the vision, and I'm going to build a program, what we're doing is we're looking at this vision of gospel saturation. For us, it's in Kansas City. So the whole idea is Ephesians 1 where it says that we are the fullness of him who's filling everything every way. So we imagine Kansas City like an aquarium, and we want it filled with the fullness of Jesus. Right. Isn't that what you want for your city? Right. Every single man, woman, boy, and girl can see, hear, experience, and respond mm -hmm. to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the presence of Jesus through his people. We are the fullness of him. We manifest it. So now the vision isn't church growth. The vision right. is gospel saturation. saturation how do we fill the city now that changes everything that's a different strategy 
If I'm trying to get people into my programs in a church versus how do I help God's people get activated where they've already been sent? So our whole, we don't, we don't develop programs for volunteers. We have no volunteers in the Kansas City Underground. We have equipping teams that activate what we call missionaries because every single child of God, their birthright is to be a missionary disciple maker. Every single child of God is sent by the Holy Spirit to an unreached pocket of people where they need to be activated to plant themselves, plant the gospel, and make new disciples. Mm-hmm. See, if you try to build a church, you hardly ever make disciples. But if you actually make disciples, guess who builds a church for you? Jesus does. Because that's what he told us to do. He never told us to build a church. He said he'd do that. Right. He told us to make disciples. So what happens is, as these missionaries make disciples, like I talked about Corey making disciples in the jail system, right? And then it begins to multiply because you know what Corey did, back to people of peace, he knew Vincent was a gang leader. Corey didn't try to build it around him. He'd been equipped to build it around Vincent and his network, Mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? And they kept following the networks of relationships. So what you get then is what we call microchurches. And here's the thing, like a small team of equippers you know, can begin to equip, let's say, a, a hundred missionaries. And what you end up out here is with, uh, like for our story, we started with 72 missionaries and three microchurches. And I just got a text. We just hit 51 microchurches, two and a half years. It's not like India or China, but you know what? It is a few thousand people in our city that didn't know Jesus. And it was all built on ordinary people, not like we're organizing Christians on the backside of a weekend service or like activating ordinary people in places of lostness and they're making new disciples. So that's a quick so, so this, shift. This, yeah, so this is why I wanted to share this. So a level three, a level three church is primarily led by a leader with a vision who has a staff entrusted to volunteers that then the members are to carry out and yet almost inevitably disciple making is, is not at the helm. When you move over to level four, which I'm glad that you said that, level four is when, is when whether you're a local church or you're, a, or you're, or you're an organization like, like the, under, the KC Underground, the focus changes from three to four because of what you value. The focus changes from how many can we bring to how many can we send? And, and it's almost always inevitably we know whether or not we've, we're moving from three to four when we're deciding to look at the infrastructure of our church. And, and, and we have to begin asking ourselves the question is, um, with the systems and structures we're getting, those are the results. And if I want to change my results, I have to then first start evaluating the systems and structures that I have in light of multiplication rules that we find throughout the whole New Testament. So a multiplying or a level four church is a church that says we're going to send missionaries. We're going to plant the gospel. We're going to fund what God's doing. Let me give you a prime example of a level four organization, a level four movement in North Omaha right now. God, you know, we 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 planted ourselves there in the hood, um, you know, a couple years ago. And we had this amazing to date. We had this amazing group called the Underground come and put their resources in what we're doing 
because they see what God is doing through us. And so you could say, hey, a level four church is a level four church or a level four missionary might say, you know what? I want to start instead of putting my money over here in this program. I'm actually going to put my money in people. I'm going to put my money in this leader who's doing this work for God's cause. Right. So in America, the, the study, it used to be there were only like four percent of churches reproducing. Well, a couple years ago, Dave Ferguson stood up in front of everybody in Orlando and said, hey, guess what? We went back and we did the research and we've actually moved from from, you know, four percent to seven percent in America. Problem is COVID hit. And guess how many more churches died? Or guess how many more organizations, institutions closed their doors because we as a church didn't die? Right. To date, there are no um, what we would call in America level five churches, which when you look at like Paul's language to Timothy, when he says, hey, I want you to entrust um, faithful. I want you to trust this to faithful people who will, who will be able to teach. It's like fourth generation. All of a sudden. So if Chad and I, we say, hey, we're going we're gonna to go to a community. We're going to plant together. Right. And we're going to plant the gospel. We're going to reach people. They're going to hear. They're going to come to faith in Christ. We're going to make disciples. And then all of a sudden, those people who are making disciples, there's a person that comes out of there and then they go and then they plant the gospel and they plant the gospel. And then all of a sudden we're down four or five, six generations. So when, you know, Rob said, hey, um, let me use a story. I love the jail stories because I'm a former. Um, when dude, um, Corey comes in into the jail and when he comes in, uh, he goes to one mod. Right. Right. And then when he goes to one mod, the gospel just starts going to every single mod. That's a case study for what multiplication looks like inside a penal institution. I would say that's a level five circumstance. Now, once that once once the jail, once it spreads to the next jail, then the next jail, then the next jail, then the next. Then I would say, OK, now we're looking at like level five activity. Right. And so although there are in America, um, I think the closest we would get to level five in America would be my friend and mentor, Ralph Moore. Anybody know Ralph Moore? Ralph Moore started the Hope Chapel. You know, Ralph? Huh? Wahoo. That's my OG, man. I met Ralph a couple years ago um, back in the 70s. I mean, dude is 74 now. He's still kicking. He's still talking about church planting right now. But 2,300 plus churches since the 70s, a quarter of a million people who have come to faith in Christ. Let me, let me say that for somebody who can get excited about that. A quarter of a million. And you know what? When I, um, uh, let me give you, I, let me give you an example. I, you know what? Like in American terms, I would say Ralph is level five straight up and he lives level five. I'll give you a quick story and then questions because we have 15 minutes left. So met Ralph um, the, the year Dave Ferguson released the book Hero Maker, which we're going to do. Um, that's going to be the next session tomorrow. That's going to be super dope. I'm going to be really excited on that one. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming out of um, a main session. I'm going down the hallway and I'm arguing with my dudes. It's like five or six of us. We're like arguing. Some of these dudes arguing over mega church. Woo woo. And I, at that time, our church was like a thousand. So in Omaha, there's like a mega church. And then all my guys over here. Um, so the white dudes talking about mega church and then the black dudes talking about micro church. 
It's like a classic episode from Jesus, from the Gospels, like the disciples. And we, and we walk in and Ralph come like walking down the hall and he's like, hey, man, what you guys arguing about? And then he's like, come over here and sit down. And like we come over and sit down and like all of a sudden this dude is like just pouring into us, just talking to us about the gospel and multiplication. And then I got um, like really inspired by this dude and inspired by his story, because what I didn't know is that this was the same dude whose books I was reading when I had left Omaha to go to Colorado to plant the gospel in the southeast side of Colorado. Right. And so now I'm having this conversation with him and then I get inspired and I'm like, you know what? I just want to follow you everywhere you go. He said, well, cool, I'm going to be in Japan. I'll see you in Japan. Right. So I get on a plane. I fly all the way over to Japan. Right. I get off the plane. I get lost. I show up to the hero maker, hero maker, Japan. Right. Show up to hero maker, Japan. I get in and, and he say, um, are you going to do this session? No warning. I thought I was just coming. You know what I mean? I thought I was just coming to be a fly on the wall. I just want to this dude is like a sage to me. It's like in my in my language, I call him an OG. Right. He goes to London. He like he's like, I'm going to London. I'm like, I'm on my way. So I get to London. I get lost in London. It's like a book. I'm lost in London. I end up in Brixton. It's like the hood in Brixton. And I get to the hotel the next day. He's with leaders and I walk in and he say, hey, here you go. Here's the microphone. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the world are you doing? And the reason why I bring that up is, is, is for this, y'all. I bring it up for this. We need new scorecards if we're going to move the ball when it comes to multiplication. We need to begin looking at how we're measuring what we're leading if we're going to if we're if we're going to move. So I don't know where you are today. If your level, if you're in a church that was declining or you in a church where you're kind of plateauing and you're coasting, nothing's really changing. You know, they're still arguing over the carpet. Uh, and there's the deacons are still arguing over the doorbell, whether you use old school doorbell or new school ring. I don't know. Right. Or if it's level three, which level three is a magnet. The gold standard is seats and budgets and staff. And, you know, how are we going to live stream or if we're going to use Zoom or if we're going to use what are we going to use? Is our playlist going to be on Spotify? Is it not going to be on Spotify? Or if you're like level four where you say, you know what, we really need to be thinking about investing in the next generation of leaders. Do we have a residency pipeline? Do we have a training pos uh, position? And are we platforming missionaries to train them, which I would encourage you to talk to Brian um, on um, Disciples Made and the thing that they're doing with that organization is super dope. Um, or, or are we trying to move to level five? And I, I'd say this, like the reality is the tension is like, we, we will always be wrestling with where we are and what we're doing versus what God wants us to do. And we have to make a decision. What systems we're going to create? Are we going to exclusively be focusing on tending, extending and extending versus sending? Like those are always tensions that we have. And then are we going to major on you know, money and facilities and buildings, or are we going to really move into being fruitful? And so when we think about a scorecard, you know, the number of people being discipled by each leader, I still remember when I was around our team, um, our first church plant, I told my team, I said, every single week, you need to come here with 10 names of people that you impacted over the next week. 
Don't even come to our team meeting if you didn't, if you didn't speak to, if you didn't speak and connect and hang out with 10 people. Don't even show up to staff meeting, right? And some of that stuff I learned because out of gang culture, because I'm a gang, I'm an ex gang banger. Um, but uh, then the other thing is, is like uh, another metric that I had that I threw out the window. I don't spend 20 hours on a sermon. I spend it maybe one. Maybe one. It's a new scorecard for me because I'd rather um, spend 19 hours. We're hanging out with dudes who are wrestling with drugs and whether or not they're going to come out the gang lifestyle or whether or not they're going to stay from going back to the penitentiary, like investing my life. And so when we think about it, what what scorecard could we it, it could look like number of disciple making groups multiplying each year. Right. How many groups multiply? Right. Number of churches planted from our congregation per decade. When we planted the gospel in in um, I think it was like our fifth church back in 2017. I can't even remember. Within six months, the next leader was already in what we would call a village. So we have 12 villages in North Omaha, over 70,000 people. Each village is two to three thousand or so. And so from there, dude went out. Boom. And then after that, dude, another dude went out to another village. And then and then more people, more, more, more missionaries are like coming out um, from our village. And it's just like this crazy. Are we five? Hell no. But we own our way. Right. And I think the goal for all of us is is to be able to answer the question. Are we on our way? You feel me? Number of people groups, you know, not like us. We've penetrated with new churches. That is going to be a key one by 2044, because by 2044, there will no longer be a majority in America, which means if your church is homogenous, um, Michael Emerson, who's a sociologist, says that your church will be seen as a cult. If we don't move from homogenous to multi-ethnic. So 10 minutes, thoughts, questions, concerns. What are, you, what are you thinking? 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> I like your style. I like your style. Okay, I, I do have a question. Yes, ma'am. Uh, so, you know, going back to our little scenario that you gave us at the beginning, where we're dropping the hood, you're there, all right? Um, you're, you're a gang member. I'm a former gang member. No, no, no. I'm just saying you're there yeah, yeah. hypothetically. Sure, yeah, sure. Okay. So who reached you, you know, and, and how did they do it? Because we need to know that ingredient because I'll yeah. So, so I am. What's your name? Joyce. Joyce. I yeah, like I you, like Joyce. Him. Okay. So, I ain't hitting on you, Joyce. I'm just asking you that. Okay. So you, so the question is who reached me? So when I was in, when I was in juvie, in and out of jail, it was a white dude actually named Bobby. And Bobby would say, you know, he'd come in and he'd say, Myron, all us little gang members, Myron, God got a plan for your life. I'm like, man, I don't want to hear that BS. I'm like, oh, that white Jesus got a plan for my life. I'm just telling you where I was at, right? And so, but the, but the power in it was his consistency. A white chaplain, okay. right? Completely different, like, consistent. but he was, cons yeah, yeah, he was consistent. And, and, and he, he would give me just enough 
to plant it, right? And I, and, I, and I think when we talk about going from level one, two, three, four, and five, can we be consistent in changing the way that we measure our habits and cycles and rhythms so that the gospel, as Rob said, is saturation? And I think that's what the Lord wants. And, I, and, and, there, and there, were, there were multiple people along the way, right? Right. Uh, two kind of questions. The first one's real brief. Is the Michael Emerson point that you made, is that from Divine by Faith? Yes. Okay. Uh, the second one was um, the question that we kind of brought up earlier is that it, it seems as if maturity and multiplication, multiplication is the, out, the outcome of maturity. Sure. But it seems like they could be in competition if, if you're not careful. In other words, yeah. like cancer cells are multiplying. Right? Yeah. Uh, or business terms, you nail it before you scale it. So like, mm -hmm. we don't want to scale crazy. We don't want to multiply like dysfunction. We want to multiply disciples. So, what does that what does that look like to actually like have an idea of what maturity looks like? Whether it's a disciple, a church, a movement, such that when it multiplies, you're multiplying health, mm -hmm. things that actually look and feel and taste like Jesus. That's so good. So I I I'd, I'd actually say that Jesus multiplied messy addition. Well, well he he he. What what, what do I mean by that? Um, Jesus, his whole squad was unhealthy. One dude, one dude was, I don't know if he was Republican or Democrat, but he was one of them. Another dude worked for the IRS. We know how they get, right? Another dude um, got should have got arrested for possession of a, of a firearm. You know what I mean? So his whole squad was messy. And I think, I, and, and it doesn't mean that we don't focus on like health, but I think sometimes we fear scaling multiplication because that person may not be ready because their walk is still messy. At the end of Jesus's three years, Peter's still cutting people's ears off. <laughs> I, want, I want to come back to that, though, because what I'm what I'm not saying. I'm, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. So um, we have two frameworks that we use for health and one workshops at 8 a.m. tomorrow. It's a simple disciple-making fractal that you can actually teach somebody and they can experience in a very short amount of time. Like mm -hmm. if you ever wondered, how did Paul go and plant a church in a week and then leave? And there was actually something at stake. Mm -hmm. So the first workshop in the morning at 8 a.m. is on that. And the second one in the afternoon is about how do we actually measure maturity, spiritual maturity? Like what are the, what are the real... Um, quantifiable mm -hmm. areas of growth that we can measure to see people becoming more like Jesus and engaging the mission more deeply. So not trying to just plug our workshops, but your question has been a driving concern for us too. And, and our answers aren't perfect, but it might help move the conversation is, forward. Is that through Disciples Made or Exponential? Which, um, which track is that? That one is, they're both in Disciples Made. Okay. Yeah. Do we have time for another one? Yep. Let me let me answer your question. Then I'm answer your question. And then we gotta get out of here. What I'm not saying is we don't need to be counseled. And we need soul care. Um, we in our training have um, um, where we train up missionaries and leaders. We have a soul care component, right, for people who are serious about becoming missionaries. 
Um, they're also assigned. We have a, a, a collaborative team we work with that people go through counseling. counseling. We have psychologists, therapists, because we crazy, for real, for real. Um, and so, but I think sometimes the tendency is to err on this side of they're not ready because maybe they have a hang up in their soul that needs to be, that needs to grow. So what they, what, what the disciples made track, I think they got, they have some really cool tools. Um, we got some tools too that we can pass along if anybody want them on how we help people measure spiritual health, spiritual growth, spiritual direction. But I think it's needed in any movement else it does get out of hand um, and goes in the wrong direction. But Yin Kai, if you've ever familiar with Yin Kai, they're experiencing some of that stuff. They have this rapid multiplication happening, but what they're wrestling with is how do we make sure that these leaders are staying healthy? And I think that's an ongoing. How can I get that from you? So it's 3.30 and I want to honor your time. Stay after. If you have more questions, you want to chop it up, stay after. Thank you all so much. You guys are amazing. And uh, we'll see you a little later. My goodness, that was awesome stuff from Myron. One of the things that he said that stuck out was by 2044, there will no longer be a majority in America. And if our churches don't move from homogenous to multi-ethnic, we will be seen as a cult. Wow. I hope you're taking notes, but if you didn't, hey, listen to it again, because that's exactly what I'm going to do. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thanks for being a Disciple Makers Podcast listener. If you haven't already, please hit subscribe so that you stay up to date every time I release a new episode. All right, everybody, have a great day, and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye.